Tits up is both an expression used when things have gone terribly wrong and a phrase coined as a rallying cry to stand up straight, own the stage, and knock them dead. There are few things in this world that can make your life go tits up more quickly than a breast cancer diagnosis, especially for adolescent and young adult women. This podcast is meant to give us AYAs, a feeling of community, understanding, and power, helping us to walk into each day with a feeling of tits up. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Tits Up. I am Megan, and as always, I am joined by the lovely and talented Sam. Sam, welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Listeners, we are super excited about our episode this week. Um, I know that we say that every week, but I mean that this week, I I just said that as if I don't mean it every week. I do. This is just very exciting for me. Um, We are joined today by Heather Rasmus. She is an occupational therapist that works primarily in the realm of oncology recovery. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This is new. This is exciting. So I'm really happy to be here. Wonderful. So Heather, let's first start with you telling us a little bit about yourself, including your background. What do you do for a living? Um, And I always wonder what the difference between physical therapy and occupational therapy are. Um, And so maybe you can explain that to us. And then also just what makes you tick as a human being? Tell us about yourself. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Um, So I'm a lymphatic oncology occupational therapist. Kind of a mouthful. Um, But what this means is, so I started out, I have my master's in occupational therapy. Um, And during the year when I studied for uh, my master's, I actually went to South Africa for a little bit Um, and just for a month there. And I learned about burn therapy. So um, that's where I kind of fell in love and have a passion also for burn therapy Um, and wounds and scar management. Um, So that's a little bit of my past. Um, And then I've moved around the country for the last like six, eight years. Um, I started out in Pennsylvania, burn therapist, um, and then I became a hand therapist. Um, So I love talking like upper extremity injuries, nerve injuries, things like that. Um, And then during that time, I also got my certification in lymphedema therapy. So I'm a CLT are the initials you're kind of looking for, for a lymphedema therapist. Um, I then I moved to Seattle. I worked at Harborview. This is the last time I was on the burn unit. A little fun fact is um, after I left Seattle, um, my husband and I biked across the country. So that was kind of fun. So I'm into like kind of endurance sports, things like that. I could talk about that. Oh, good um, Well done. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of, it was three months of biking across the country. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I, we left Seattle and I did a traveling OT um, and we came to Colorado. So that's where I kind of fell in love with Colorado, eventually moved back here. Um, but before we did, we went to DC. I worked at George Washington university in their lymphatic clinic. COVID hit. I then moved to Minnesota, back to Seattle. And then now we're back here in Colorado. So currently living here in Colorado. Um, and I worked at an oncology clinic here where I became PORI certified oncology rehab therapist. And all that means is I specialize in oncology care, um, as a rehab specialist. Uh, and then this year, uh, in June, I left the clinic and I started my own practice. Yay! So, yay. Um, so I'm doing plug. shameless plug. Yeah. Tell us about <laughs> totally. it. So it's called Empower Lymphatic Therapy. Uh, empower because I just love to empower women um, through, you know, getting back to like what they love um, and getting them, empowering them with knowledge all the things. So that's where it's called empower. Lymphatic is all about the lymphatic system. So I'm a lymphatic massage therapist. Um, and therapy is for, because I want to work on strengthening as well. It's not just massage. Um, so I have a home studio here in Littleton, and then I also do mobile service. So around like South Denver, Littleton, um, area. So it's all for oncology therapy. That's amazing. Very exciting. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I'm learning the business side of things. That's, that's the fun and challenging part. So 
Um, and then the difference between PT and OT. Um, so PTs a lot of times focus on like movement of the body, like injuries related to that, more lower body. Um, so they'd fit you with like a walker or cane, crutches, things like that. Like that's very PT focused. Um, OTs, so occupational therapists, uh, focus on recovery with like more holistic approach. Um, so learning, like looking at why do you need to get better? Um, activities of daily living, looking at like, okay, you need to get in and out of your car. You need to go to work. You need to pick up your kids, like things that are very functional. Um, and if we were going to fit you with something like a PT fits you with a walker or cane, OTs more fit you with like adaptive equipment. Um, so seeing how can you do the activity and maybe we need to adapt um, your for your body or your strength or whatever the case is to, to be able to do what you love. Um, so those are kind of the difference between OTPT. Um, when you then look at like an oncology therapist, they can be an OT or a PT. So like in the clinic here in Denver, we had both OT and PT. Um, and our focus is on like recovery post-cancer treatment. So looking at like functional goals, survivorship, you know, how can, how can you also, we can help you tolerate like cancer treatment and when you're going through them. Um, so, and then the other piece I kind of mentioned on a CLT, um, a lot of times an oncology therapist will be a CLT, which is a certified lymphedema therapist, because there's a lot, sometimes you can get lymphedema after having cancer treatment. And so there's a lot of cancer therapists that are certified lymphedema therapists. For that, you could be an OT, a PT, or a massage therapist in the United States. Uh, it's 135 hour certification. So you just have to go to one of like the Norton school or any of like the lymphedema schools um, so it's a certification that you have to get. You don't learn it in school. So, yeah. I, I love it. Well, so Sam and I were talking about like, how do we, uh, who should we have on to talk about this stuff? Because there is so much more that goes into recovery very often. I'm not going to say all the time, but often there's yeah. so much more that goes into recovery after a double mastectomy or a single mastectomy or, you know, reconstruction or whatever, um, than mm -hmm. just resting. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit, but I had cording, um, and I'll have you explain to people what that was. Um, and mm -hmm. I needed to go and get special massages and all sorts of stuff for that. Um, mm -hmm. but there, there is a lot more to recovery, I guess, for lack of a better term. I mean, you'll be able to explain it better, but there's a sure. lot more to recovery than just resting, right? Yes. Yes. And even during, you know, you are resting during your treatments, but then there's also things that moving can be helpful. Massaging, all those things can be helpful during it and after. Um, so, yes. But you were talking about like physical, physical challenges, physical yeah. pain. Um, and, and that does come along with the, the breast cancer, you know, treatment and, and uh, recovery. Um, and this is where like an OT and a PT can be so helpful. Um, I was saying like statistically, and I don't know when this was last updated, but only about two to 5% of cancer patients, and this is all cancer patients, um, actually get to see an OT or a PT, um, which is such a low number. I mean, you think of like hip replacement, knee replacement, you fall down, you get injured, you go to see a therapist, you know, to get back you know, and work through strengthening, get back to your daily life. Um, and only at the high end, saying 5%, um, get to see a therapist. It's just, it's just too low. So we're, we're, yeah, we need to work on changing that. Um, I would say though, cancer therapy has really only been around, um, strongly for like probably the last 15 years. And so it is a newer kind of therapy, I would say. Um, for when we're talking like the big schema things. Um, but yeah, only 5%. It's just so low. It's, it's, we need, we need to work on that. So that's, that's why I'm here. Yeah. I'm thrilled that you're here. Why do you think doctors yeah. don't, I mean, some do like mine, mine yeah. told me that I had to go and I got lucky with that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but why do you think it is that number is so low? Why don't doctors just automatically say, well, this is what you're going to be doing as part of yeah. your treatment. Yeah, I think there's a lot. There's a, there's a couple reasons. And I think initially one of the things is you're going through cancer treatment and they don't want to add another thing to your plate. And so that's a lot of the times what we hear from doctors is like, well, you know, you're getting blood work. We want you, you have to go to all these doctors. 
um, different, you know, plastic surgeon, you have to radiation. So they don't want to kind of overwhelm their patients um, with another person to go see. Um, and so that could be a, one of the barriers. Um, that one's a little, like, it can be frustrating because sometimes coming to a therapist can feel so good. You know, it's like kind of one of your favorite treatments or one of your favorite visits. So we're really trying to make that a big change and say, no, these patients really like coming to therapy. It's not your typical therapy. It's not your like, oh, we're in a gym and we're going to lift weights. You know, it's, you know, we're working with you. We're walking you through, you know, what things are going to be like. Um, it's very one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so you don't have, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's just not the typical PTOT, I would say, like in the clinic. Um, so that's one reason. Um, I would say, um, yeah, I, I, there's probably also limited amount of therapists that are available to go see. So say like your doctor's like, Hey, go see someone. And the client's like, I don't, I don't, where should I go? And so that can be also a limited, I would say resource. So we need to get some more people educated on like the therapy side on, yeah. on being comfortable with working with their, with the clients. I wonder if maybe I, I put a ton of links in the description on this all the time. Yeah. I wonder if there is yeah. a list of, I don't know, really good therapists yes. that people can go to kind of across the country. Um, and yeah. maybe, we could, we could, maybe we could post that. I don't know. You might yeah, have a so better idea of how to find that, or maybe I could look into yeah, that. Yeah, I did. I, I, I'll send you a link. There is a national lymphedema network. So it's like lymphaticnetwork.org. Um, I think I posted it to you. They have a whole list of lymph, lymphedema therapists, but not everyone has lymphedema. So um, go, also just calling your local PT and OT clinic. Um, I always like to you know, you could research online for your area, but also just talk like calling the clinics and saying, Hey, like I'm going through breast cancer right now. Do you have anyone that can work with me that has like an oncology background? Um, it's definitely becoming more popular. And so I think just calling around and just saying, this is what I'd like to focus on is my, you know, oncology diagnosis and seeing if they have something available, calling like the, the larger centers. Yeah. Um, like here in, in here, Colorado, like UC health, you know, starting there and trying to call them. So um, I think that's a good way to start and just knowing what to say, saying that you're trying to find like an oncology therapist. Well, let's go, let's go into that. That's perfect. I'll put something in the description for that. But so somebody's mm -hmm. calling in, let's say, and mm -hmm. they are having certain yeah. side effects. What are some yeah. of the most common let's side effects that you see? Um, yeah. So like, why are people coming to you the most often or least often or however you want to talk mm -hmm. to them? So as a therapist, we're assessing for side effects of cancer treatment, you know, so surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, um, all of those have side effects. So one, a list of them would be pain, you know, having physical pain, muscle pain, stiffness, weakness, um, nerve injuries, nerve injuries happen through radiation, through surgery, through chemo, actually all three, um, lymphedema. So lymphedema, I'll go into that probably in a little bit. Um, that's a whole, um, you know, piece I'd love to talk about, but not everyone you know, gets lymphedema. Um, and then scar tissue. So after surgery, having scar tissue. So having someone be able to help you with scar tissue management um, and then radiation. There's a lot of side effects from radiation. So <clears throat> I think I'll start with the first one is like surgical pain. Yeah. Um, so after surgery, um, I think you had a mastectomy, uh, correct? Correct. You, so there's precautions that you have to follow after of having your surgery. And that's, that's, good. We want to follow those precautions from your surgeon. Um, it allows the surgical site to heal. You know, you want that scar tissue. A lot of times we talk about scar tissue being a bad thing, but you want the scar tissue there to heal the wound. However, and a lot of times we're told like, keep our arms down, which is also good, important. We want that surgical site to heal. However, we, we need someone to kind of guide us through getting out of those precautions. So at two, three weeks, we start doing range of motion again. So we guide our patients through range of motion. Um, at two weeks, that's like the optimal time, optimal healing for your scar tissue. And then at like around two to three weeks, as long as your um, the wound is healed and you don't have any open areas, we can actually start doing massage at that time. And that could be just like a gentle touching the skin, touching the scar, mobilizing it. Um, so that's something you do want to 
touch on. And I feel like a lot of times that gets left to no one talks about that. Um, so, so that's really important. Um, another thing is muscle tightness. You no, know, you're bound down, you're protecting, you have that forward posture. And it's a very, I also talk about like, it's a really sensitive area. It's, it's your breasts. I mean, you have your breast here, you have your heart, you have your lungs. They're all in the same area. So of course you're going to protect that area, um, especially after having a surgery. So we acknowledge that you are going to protect that area. You are going to like, you know, don't touch me. Don't, you know, go near. What happens with that though, is you start to um, get that protective posture where you, you are, you know, rounded shoulders. Um, and then you also anticipate kind of pain or you having that anticipatory pain. So you kind of like uh, tighten up. Um, and so just being aware of that, aware of that tightness, being aware of like, how much are you protecting? How forward are you? How stiff are you? And trying to like bring that down and not be so tight in that area. Cause those things can lead to muscle pain, shoulder injuries, um, you name it. So trying to just, just be aware of your body in that, in that regard. Um, we also, you know, like I said, address the scar tissue. So, you know, going through scar massage, what that looks like, how, how should that feel? Allowing that scar to, you, you initially want it to dry out. We don't want any wet, you know, scarring, but then you want to, once it has dried out, then you start massaging it with lotion. So we want to have a nice mobile soft scar. Um, and then, you know, so that's therapy is coming in to kind of walk you through all this. Um, get you back to strengthening, get you back to your range of motion. Um, and we kind of have protocols that we kind of follow through that. I so. remember after, after mine, <clears throat> I was going to um, therapy. I, I don't recall at this point if it was physical therapy, occupational therapy, but I went to go see someone mm-hmm. who was lovely and she would <clears throat> massage my scars and help me work on range of motion. Mm-hmm. And I, I specifically remember those very, very first, um, <clears throat> I, I keep wanting to say episodes, those very first um, appointments. There we go. Jesus. Yeah. Um, those very first appointments were really, really painful. Um, just, mm-hmm. and not like she was doing it wrong. It was just, it was so mm-hmm. raw at that time, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, mm-hmm. everything had closed up, but mm-hmm. I had some pretty serious scar tissue that was developing and she mm-hmm. was so wonderful getting that scar tissue to kind of move. But I remember just having somebody touch me there mm-hmm. on these, mm-hmm. you know, deflated implant or not implants, the expanders on these deflated yeah. expanders that I had in me and then everything else mm-hmm. that was just trying to heal. It was really mm-hmm. painful for about the first one or two appointments. And then after that, yeah. I couldn't get there fast enough. It felt <laughs> so good. It really did. Yeah. Like, it felt so good. And to have somebody there that understood and didn't expect me to be at a certain point before I should be there. I was holding mm-hmm. myself to a really high standard. I should be able to clean and dust and make the bed and hang up clothes mm-hmm. and all of this. Mm-hmm. And none of that was anywhere near happening. And mm-hmm. going to see her, yes, it was helping with that. But it started to feel so good just to have somebody touch that area mm-hmm. you know and i like you were saying mm-hmm. like a protective posture i, w- I was mm-hmm. like i was shaped like a seat you know i was like i i didn't oh, want anybody to look at me or touch me I yeah was, it, i was so nervous about all of it and when those mm-hmm. nerves have just been severed in a mastectomy mm-hmm. and now you've got somebody touching basically where these severed nerves are it mm-hmm. it does i keep wanting to say hurt but it isn't necessarily hurt it's just the weirdest Stinging feeling, I guess. And Mm -hmm. she she made that so much better. And I thought it was interesting Mm -hmm. because, you know, for how amazing my husband was, I I talk shit about him on this all the time and he knows it, everybody. Uh, He talks shit about me too. But for all of the amazing things that he was doing with me and for me during that time, he wasn't Mm -hmm. massaging that area. You know, I think he was scared to touch it or Mm -hmm. to hurt it. And I think that's why it's oh, totally. so nice to have somebody that knows exactly mm-hmm. what they're doing and they can actually really mm-hmm. help you to become more comfortable with that area again. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, and it is, it's something that like I, I have said, like I will actually sometimes teach partners 
um, husbands, whoever, to touch again, um, because there's a lot going on um, physically, but also mentally after having this major surgery. Um, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's an amputation. It's an amputation of your breast and an amputation. I mean, you guys have talked about this before. This is not a boob job. Um, this is a major surgery and it's, it's an amputation. And when you have an amputation of a part of your body, your body has to get it, it, it's like, what's going on? Like, you know, all your nerves are like on fire because it's like, what did you just do to me? Um, and so learning how to quiet them down, learning how to touch yourself so you can quiet the nerves. And a lot of times if we are in pain, we don't touch, which is normal, right? Um, but it's actually counter, can be counterintuitive when we're talking about that nerve pain after having like a mastectomy or having your surgery, because you, you want to touch again, you want to quiet them down. It's like, it's okay. You know, you, you do the massage to actually kind of address that hypersensitivity that you can get with your nerves. And a lot of times this is not, it's not intuitive. And so that's where it's like having that therapist be like, this is okay. This is how you do it. And then also I actually initially don't, I have, I teach the patient how to do the massage and I do the massage with the partner though. I actually say, okay, address the muscles. So can I teach you how to massage her back? Because she's so forward. She's, I mean, these muscles here, your pecs get, can get so tight because they're just on, they're, they're working overtime. And so what happens is these guys get tight, pecs get tight, back gets stretched out forward you're, you're coming up on the shoulder. These guys get so tight up here. So even I teach the patient, the client, you how to do the massage to touch yourself. And then I have actually the husbands or the partner, um, do like massage to actually quiet those muscles down. Um, even a, I call it my shoulder push laying flat and just pushing your shoulders back and the, you know, the, the partner will push down and then the, you know, it just gives them, it empowers them as well to be like, I want to do something. I want to help, but I don't really know what to do. I don't know how to yeah. touch her again. And I'm scared because, you know, you were talking about your drains. You're, you're in a, you're in a lot of pain, you know? And so getting back to the point where it's like, no, it's okay. And this is what you can do. Um, and I know partners really appreciate that. Um, so yeah. Really I think good. it's so important to involve the partners too. You know, I mean, some mm -hmm. I've, I've talked to and I've read online and all sorts of stuff while I was going through this, um, all about mm -hmm. partners that are maybe not as um, helpful, <laughs> I guess, during this whole thing. And uh, I yeah. do think it's scary. That, yeah, it yeah. is a little bit scary. And I think a yeah. lot of it has to do with the fact that they just don't know. Um, mm -hmm. And I can see that almost kind of severing a relationship a little bit like you sever your nerves mm -hmm. and it ends up severing a little yeah. bit of the relationship because when you have this feeling of going through something together with somebody um mm -hmm. you know with your partner I think that that can very much strengthen the relationship but then if you have mm -hmm. a, a partner that is feeling like they're not involved and they don't know how to help mm -hmm. I think that that can kind of sever those ties and mm -hmm. Your relationship is difficult anyway enough As on the best of days. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then on top of that, you add this where now it's don't touch me. Don't look at me. Everything hurts. I feel gross, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I think that that can do a lot of damage to a relationship, mm -hmm. either short term or even potentially long term. So I love yeah. that you involve the partners in that. I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think going on the talking about the nerves though in touching um i think i shared a story with you where i've even had patients like move mirrors up so that they no longer um can see their breasts or see the surgical site um and so addressing that as well um you're just you are feeling really vulnerable in that you're feeling vulnerable with yourself you're going to feel vulnerable with your partner um but going along the lines of the moving the mirrors your nerves, it's like, almost like they have to accept, you know, your, your new body, um, your new chest, your new breast, whatever, you know, surgery you decide to do. Um, so that's where it's like trying to get people to touch time. It's like accepting your body again. Um, and so that goes, your nerves know it. It's like, if you, if you never look and you don't, I mean, you move all your mirrors, you don't ever look again, your nerves know they, they're like, what's going, you know, they're not going to, create that connection. And so where did we go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, touch me again. 
So yeah, that's that was me. So, I I couldn't look in the mirror. I mean, the the mirrors that I have yeah. in my house, I can't really move them. So I would just like, I was just always draped like I am right now. I'm just like always draped in a blanket. (laughs) So I would, you know, I'd hop in the shower and then I'd get out, dry myself Mm -hmm. off, never looked in the mirror. I just Mm -hmm. couldn't deal with it. Because at that point after surgeries, and we'll kind of go into this, I think this is a good segue into like chemo and radiation and all of that. But, you know, my my body was just so fucked up. (laughs) Like my tummy was like this pot belly tummy I think just from Mm -hmm. all of the meds that I was on my face was a perfect circle um for those listening to this I was just explaining the exact same thing to uh (laughs) to Heather and Sam before we started face was like a perfect circle my tummy was huge and then on top of that Mm -hmm. I was used to having pretty decent sized boobs and now there was almost nothing Mm -hmm. there which kind of accentuates Mm -hmm. the tummy and there was nothing I could do to make myself be like, oh, I love my body. She's trying her yeah. best. I just wanted to light my entire self on fire. Like I, I was mm-hmm. having none of it. And so I mm-hmm. absolutely resonate with that of where you're just avoiding mm-hmm. at all costs. And mm-hmm. I just assumed that I was going to look and feel like shit for the next few years. And I just had to kind of get used to it. Um, and I just yeah. had to accept this new body that was not at all what I wanted. Um, mm-hmm. and that was very difficult. And maybe that's, maybe that's for later in the episode. Maybe that's for a different episode, <laughs> but I think it is really, really important. I basically where I was going with this is just saying that my physical therapist or occupational therapist, again, I never, I never mm-hmm. remember, but the therapist that I worked with was mm-hmm. really, really helpful. Like she had me stand in front of the mirror. And Mm -hmm. she was like, first, like, touch the places that don't hurt. Like, touch your arms, Mm -hmm. touch your legs, touch your tummy, like, all of that. And I remember just crying through it. I'm like, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it so much. But it was, I think it was a really important part of, yeah, helping you heal, but also helping you kind of accept what Mm -hmm. is going on here. And that Mm -hmm. that was tough, but necessary. Yeah. Yeah. We probably go through the five stages of grief, you know, in this whole process. Yeah. Um, and so one part of that, yeah, is just learning to accept and touch and see yourself again. So at least once a week, if you're going to see someone, maybe just one hour a week, you know, working with your therapist and that's your one hour to be like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to do this here. And that's maybe where you start. You know, we all start at different places and each patient starts at a, comes from a different background. Um, and so that's where finding a therapist that you really resonate with. Um, that can kind of walk you through that with you um, and not rush you. Um, it's a slower process. Uh, and just finding someone that you feel like can really listen to you and, and walk that line with you. So that's important. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. So next next kind of topic, and these two I can't really speak to. Sam, you'll be better able to speak mm-hmm. to this. Um, and Heather, obviously, you're the number one person that can speak to any of this. <laughs> but radiation radiation and chemo side effects like mm-hmm. how does occupational therapy help with those okay so yes well i guess we'll talk about radiation um a lot of times there's a lot of pain um, and tightness that comes from radiation so that's kind of the physical challenges with radiation um so radiation there's a couple different types of radiation um i would say for this topic some people have more of a targeted radiation so it's a it's a quicker like maybe just five sessions we're just going to go right to where that tumor was um, and radiate the area. Or there's also then like more of a um, all over like your breast radiation. So those are longer, longer time frame. Um, and so I would say for that, when you're when you're talking like multiple, multiple weeks of radiation is when a lot of patients can get that pain and that tightness from that radiation. Um, so I would say it doesn't typically start um, to be painful initially. A lot of clients are like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm feeling I'm doing good here, you know, going through it. Um, They may have fatigue, but not necessarily that physical um, pain. Um, But as the treatments continue is when you start getting those, the the skin actually can get a burn from it and that tightness um, develops. Um, And then there's something that we address called radiation fibrosis. So that can present as like that tightness, um, muscle pain, nerve pain in the area of where you had the radiation. Um, it's a lot of patients are like, my skin just doesn't feel right. You know, it just like, 
I lift my arm or I can't lift my arm. Um, and so that can be, that's labeled as a radiation fibrosis. Um, and it can happen up to a year after you had your last treatment of radiation and can last up to 10 years. Um, or it just, it doesn't go away at all. So it's definitely something you do want to address if you have that kind of um, radiation fibrosis after having your radiation. And what it really is, is, so you think of radiation, you're, you're, it's a burn in that area. So you're, you're, for lack of a better term, burning in that area, you're radiating um, the, the tissue, and then it tries to go through that healing phase, right? So it usually takes two weeks to go through um, swelling and healing of a burned area um, or radiated area. And then, but you, you go the next day, right, for radiation. So it's like burn, try and heal radiate, you know, try and heal, radiate, try and heal. So the skin and your tissues, it's not just skin, but your tissues are trying to heal, but then you keep going back for radiation. So um, it never gets to go through the healing phases. Um, and so it never properly gets to heal uh, because you just keep going back for that radiation. And so that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with like a skin that just really never got to heal. And so I kind of think of it as like, um, like building blocks, like if you're building a brick wall, um, you know, nice and uniform, you know, layers, radiated areas can kind of be like, you just threw bricks in a pile and they're like, there's my wall. You know, it's all like mishmashed, right? That those skin fibers never really got to heal and, and, and be nice and uniform. Um, and so that's where you feel that. So, um, with radiation fibrosis, it's, it's, um, massage. So we do some massage and also just doing range of motion and stretching, um, in that area. Um, do, the, you wait that until, area... do you wait until after all the radiation is done or do you Not do that necessarily. like during? We do see patients during radiation. Now, a lot of times, um, we love to see you before radiation, um, but also during radiation, if you do have those you can get wounds and, and scars and um, open areas. We don't massage any open area, but you can still go see your therapist who can actually like do address areas around the radiation, radiated area, um, so that you can get some relief there. Um, another thing is we, a lot of times we'll see patients who are going to radiation. So say you had surgery, um, you're in that protective posture, that bound down position, now the they're asking you to lift your arm all the way up so that you could do the radiation and some patients can't do that um so then that's when they get sent to a therapist because they're like you need to help my patients so that they can lift their arm up so that they can do the radiation um so that can also be an area you see a therapist for um so it's just walking you through the the treatment but yes i follow my clients through radiation and after radiation um so some patients don't get those wounds, but if you do, then the therapist should just not um, address that area and massage around that radiated area. I remember something similar because I, I didn't have radiation, but my mom had breast cancer and I remember her going mm -hmm. radiation and I remember yeah. it looking, I don't know, like just a really, really bad sunburn. Um, mm -hmm. now granted I was like in, I was like a freshman or like in eighth grade, so I don't have a great recollection of it, but I do remember yeah. her saying yeah. something about like, you know, just having to lift over and over and over and over again yeah. and how mm -hmm. that was incredibly painful. Yeah. And a lot of times your doctor will give you a certain like lotion, um, to use. Um, I always try and prepare my um, clients to have nice, um, moisturized skin before you go into radiation. Cause it is, it's like a bad sunburn, like you said. Um, so having really like weeks ahead of time, really be moisturizing and addressing your skin there. Um, when you go to radiation, so say your radiation is like Monday morning, you do not put lotion on right before you go into radiation and your doctor would go through that with you. Um, so you wouldn't want to see a therapist right before your radiation treatment, wait till, you know, after or days after. Is there a specific type of lotion you would recommend? We had Emily on um, the podcast. Mm -hmm. I think she was episode seven, maybe. Seven. Um, but yeah, Emily was on and she was explaining when she had a specific type of um, lotion that she would use before mm -hmm. that. And I know that we put that in the description and I'm, of course, blanking mm -hmm. on the name of it mm -hmm. right now. But what, what would you recommend? Like, are we just mm -hmm. using like 
eucerin or like lubriderm or yes. <laughs> what <laughs> yes so that can be very um so this is where my history of like being on the burn unit really comes in because uh, we had all different products for that um there's so many different products on the market. And I think sometimes that can be overwhelming. Um, my surgeon that I worked with at Harborview, she always would say, I don't care what lotion you use. I want you to do the massage. That was always the most important thing. She's like, I don't care if you go to Walmart. I don't care if you spend $500 on lotion. Like doing the massage with the lotion is so important. Um, and so that's always been like how my angle from it. Cause I'm coming in from more like a massage scar management side of things. Um, actually like manipulating the skin, um, and getting and mobilizing and actually like putting, getting that lotion in there, but doing the massage with it is so important. Um, so I always say, on a, on a baseline foundation level, nothing that has any kind of alcohols in it, no scent, no, like they get your basic lotion. Um, I love an aquaphor. That's lovely. But sometimes like an aquaphor can be too thick when you have the radiation. So sometimes you need something it, during that time that's not so thick because you don't want to shear the skin um, during when you're getting radiation. But once that like skin integrity has healed, then you can go to like a thicker lotion. Um there's so many on the market and I, and Emily, you know, may have had a great, you know, outcome with one of her lotions, um, vitamin E, you know, there's like kind of the basics of, of which lotions to use from my standpoint, those talking about like scar management, touching yourself again, it's really whatever lotion you like, um, that, that doesn't have the alcohols, no scent, no, no Victoria's secret lotion that you got for Christmas, you know, nothing like that. No bombshell. Um, yeah, what? <laughs> no bombshell. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Keep away from that. That's just going to irritate your skin and dry it out more. Um, so I would say from baseline that, you know, like your CeraVe, your Cetaphil, like I love those. Those are nice. Um, look at the thickness, see what you can tolerate from the thickness standpoint. But doing the work is what I always say to my patients. Once I teach you how to do like the scar massage and the lymphatic massage or just touching, it's actually like slowly doing the massage um, that that's I'm so focused on versus what kind of a lotion did you get? Okay. So, All right. That's yeah. helpful. Um, yeah. Do the massage. Do the massage. <laughs> yeah. Do the lotion because you you want to get that lotion in there. You want to moisturize the skin. You want to moisturize scars. Um, but do mobilize the skin when you do it. So because a lot of people take a little lotion and like dab, dab, dab. And they're like, I'm done. That's good. <laughs> and that's where I come in. Nope. Got a massage with the lotion. I was not doing the massage. Um, like I was going to see my therapist once, yeah. once a week to do this. But when I would okay. get home, you know, she would send me home and be like, do X, Y, and Z for over like the next week. Mm -hmm. And I like wasn't doing it just because mm -hmm. again, like I got, I got scared of it yeah. and everything hurt. And I was just like, mm, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. She seems to know what she's doing. I obviously don't. I'm going to mess it up, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. I remember getting to a point where I'm like, I know. I should be a lot farther along in like my mobility and pain mm -hmm. levels and everything else. And I'm just not. So it, that, that pushed me into a corner where I had to start doing all of the stuff that you've been talking about. And it, it helps so much, but I'm yeah. just, I don't know if I was being stubborn or lazy or what it was, but yeah. I just did not want to be doing it. Yeah. But I, it, and that's it where it's a big difference. It makes a really big does. difference. And that's where we also don't typically follow patients like three times a week. Like if you would go to an injury and get like a PT, a lot of times you see a therapist like two, three times a week, you know, for three to four weeks, and then you're kind of out of there with an oncology therapist. Um, it depends if you have a lymphedema and if they're trying to do like a, a total lymphedema treatment. But a lot of times I follow my patients once a week, once every other week. Um, that way I can follow them if I, for insurance can follow them a longer time because it is a process. Like I tell, you know, your therapist told you, Meg, like do this. And you went home, you're like, heck no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> it's too much. It's, it's just too much right now. And that's okay. You know, like you have to let yourself like, it, it's a lot that you're going through. And so that's okay. Like go, just do it with your therapist. Like I said, one hour a week, but over time, then being able to kind of, to follow the program and do the, you know, 
see the results. That's what I always like to say. Once you see the results, then you're like, oh, now I'll do this because I, I'm getting the results that I wanted. Right. But that's also where following a therapist, it's not an in and out. I'm, you're not coming in and leaving, you know, in two weeks and you're good to go. That's just not how it is. And so following someone, think of it as like a longer process so you can kind of walk through it with them. Okay. So you, yeah. you were telling us earlier about um, like chemotherapy side effects or chemo, what was it? Yeah. Chemotoxicity. Do I have that right? Um, you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Talk, talk to me about that. I don't know anything yeah, so, about it. So um, chemotherapy side effects. So physical challenges with that include like fatigue, nausea, um, but the chemotoxicity. Um, so cardiomyopathy. And that's when um, with certain chemo, not all chemotherapy um, drugs have a chemotoxicity or a cardiomyopathy side effect. Uh, it's usually like your cisplatin-based um, drugs. So your platinum-based drugs. Um, have been shown to, to um, affect your cardiovascular system um, and put you at higher risk of having a, a cardiovascular event. Um, and so with that, it's lovely to follow a therapist. Um, we can give you an exercise prescription. It's kind of like we say, like, just like we give you exercises to strengthen, you know, we can give you one to, so you have an idea of following your heart rate. So a lot of times it's making sure that you're not pushing yourself too much, uh, but you're still doing some exercise during, during your chemo and afterwards. Um, And so what it is, is we evaluate you. um, We do like nerve tests, um, vibration, we do balance tests, and then also get you on a treadmill. It's not like an intense treadmill test, um, but it's something where we're following your heart rate um, your blood pressure and your, um, oxygen levels. Uh, and then we put that into a chart looking at, it kind of gives you a chemo or sorry, an oncology based VO2 max. And then we take that number according to where you're at with your treatment. So it could be before treatment, during, or after, um, and we put you on a chart and then we would say, okay, Meg or Sam, like, this is when you're exercising, this is, should be your heart rate levels. Um, and so it's just, it's very specific again. So you feel like empowered to be like, okay, this is what I should be doing, um, during my exercise. So it's trying to get you like, maybe, maybe it's two times a week, maybe it's three times a week, but it's following the heart rate parameters. Um, so it's really protecting your heart, um, before and after chemotherapy. So that's more like the one side of things. And then the other one is uh, a chemo induced peripheral neuropathy. Um, so that's when you have damage to your peripheral nerves and it's different from a straightforward, like peripheral neuropathy, like caused by trauma or diabetes, um, cause this is more of a chemo induced. So we kind of describe it as like, it's almost like a flooding of your nerves, the damage of your nerves from the chemotherapy drugs. Um, and so this is where, um, patients will use like the cold gloves, um, to try and prevent that, um, there's mixed studies. I mean, there's mixed studies in all of this for the chemo-induced peripheral neuropathy on what really works um, and what can you tolerate, you know, like having cold gloves on your hands through all of your chemo treatments. Um, as Sam can maybe attest to. I don't, did you do the chemo? No, the cold I gloves. did chemo. I did chemo, yeah. but I did not do any icing. I actually had yeah. chemotoxicity though. So I had echoes yeah. every three months. Um, okay for that um and that was not fun but afterwards um and after i was done with chemo i had my uh percentage go back up to a normal rate oh good wonderful yeah yeah but, so it's yeah, yeah i did watching. not ice sorry <laughs> no no and i don't i think it's such mixed reviews some people say even the studies that we have like don't have it's the evidence is not really there and it's pretty expensive um to do um, I did read another um, article about how you can even do um, uh, compression. So even wearing compression gloves. And one study showed that mm-hmm. that was actually similar to icing, doing the uh, icing gloves. Um, and so if, and it's less expensive um, and easier to tolerate. Um, so someone was saying, you know, doing compression. So that would be like getting a compression glove, um, wearing them during your treatments. Um, afterwards, like having that, um, if you do have that neuropathy, that, that tingling, that numbness in your hands and your feet, 
Um, a therapist can come and work with like strengthening and exercise with you. So it's a lot of like intrinsic strengthening. That just means like strengthening within the hands, within the feet. Um, so like clothespins and tendon gliding exercises, uh, grip strength, doing, you know, you know, a ball, but don't do a ball all day. <laughs> uh, that can lead to other injuries. Um, so working with someone for like, um, like intrinsic strengthening. They also show like exercise. So one of the studies was talking about like, should you go see a therapist? Um, but even just doing like general walking um, after, you know, treatment um, can be helpful. Um, so um, I was going to say going through chemo though, being aware of when your body's in nadir and that's when you're going to feel just so low, like your energy levels are going to be so, so low. And that usually happens typically what we say two days after. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's weird because I call it like a chemo high. I, I'd always tell mm -hmm. Megan, like, you never feel bad in the chair. And she's like, what? What do you mean you don't feel bad yeah. in the chair? I'm like, Megan, if you felt bad in the chair, you wouldn't go back. Nobody would go <laughs> back. They got to get you all hyped up and high on mm -hmm. drugs and pain meds, send you home. And then they tell you to take steroids for a multitude of days afterwards. So it's almost like this weird, like, stimulant high that you're then on mm -hmm. you know that causes mm -hmm. the moon face and then maybe you have mm -hmm. a crazy appetite but it's like steroid induced and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden three days after you're like did i just get hit by a semi did, is somebody sticking a, a shovel in my bag what's going on here so yeah yeah and they're doing that on purpose you know they're trying to get you to that point because it's just it's your body's going to its lowest low um, and that's, I guess the point of, of the therapy drugs, but being aware of that. So you're not like thinking, Hey, I'm going to go for a long walk today, you know, listening to your body. Um, walking is important. And I mean, we will say that till the cows come home, like walk, 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 but also listen to your body, you know? Um, so being aware when your, your body is in that low state, uh, don't go to therapy on that day, you know? So working that through with your therapist and saying, okay, I'm getting chemo on this day. I'm not coming to therapy for the next three days, not an appropriate time, you know? So, um, one other thing on the, um, neuropathy, um, we've, they, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not talking, but I will touch base on medication. I am not a doctor. So talk to your, obviously talk to your medical professional. Um, but they've, a lot of times doctors will hear like nerve pain and they'll give you gabapentin, um, which is, you know, just a common nerve um, pain medication. Um, but they've actually shown, um, better results with something called Cymbalta. So just something you could talk to your doctor about. It's actually an antidepressant medication, um, still like mixed reviews on it, but it just has shown better results in specifically chemo induced peripheral neuropathy, not like a diabetic neuropathy, not a trauma neuropathy, but a chemo induced. Um, so just something to talk with your doctor about. Two birds, one stone on that one, huh? I love that. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Antidepressant and neuropathy? Uh, like, sign us up. I'm on Cymbalta already, and I was like, oh, that's exciting. And then I didn't go through chemo, but also yeah. um, also helpful. <laughs> you know, if there's ever a time that you're going to be on them, probably during cancer treatment, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, um, I, we, we still have some time, but I want to make sure that we do hit some other items here and I think that this is like so many of our guests I feel like this is opening the door almost for so many more episodes that we could do with you and do like deep dives um yeah. but <clears throat> excuse me will you tell us what courting is and how you how you help with that talk about lymph yeah that kind of gets us on the road for i guess lymphedema exactly, um, exactly. based on sorry i just keep going and going um no, so um <laughs> axillary it's typically um axillary cording is what you'll hear of it and your axilla is your armpit um and so what it is is a, it's a backup on the highway of your lymphatic system um and so the cording is it's it's, it's backed up on on your highway um, and so what it feels like is like, you can't raise your arm up. You feel restricted. You feel like I kind of describe it as like a violin string. Like that's kind of what it can feel like. So if you feel that in your armpit, 
Um, that's typically like the thickness of it. Um, and it really feels like there's like a, a cord, something like a rope holding you down. Um, and so what you do with that um, is massage um, and work on teaching you how to do lymphatic massage um, and then also doing stretches and shoulder range of motion. If you feel that cording, don't like let it go and say, oh yeah, oh gosh, something's holding me back. I should just keep it down. Um, again, do the opposite of you can work with a therapist, but getting those range of motion going with your, so that it doesn't keep going to pull you down. Um, so you want to get some range of motion. I never have my patients go to pain. Yes, it can be uncomfortable, but it's more of a stretch. It's like, I, I actually play the game. Maybe it's because I have kids, but red light, green light, yellow light. Mm-hmm. And so with, with any kind of my treatment, we don't go to red. We don't go to pain. Uh, we go to yellow, right? We're in green. We go to yellow. When we get to red, we kind of come back to the yellow um, because I never, one, want to induce pain. Pain, I feel like then you go into protection, right? So with all this treatment, yes, it can be uncomfortable, um, but not painful. And so I think that's also a nice uh, introduction to saying, okay, like listening to your body when you're doing this touching and massaging, we're not, we're not encouraging in a painful state. You'll get there. Just keep going. Like maybe that first day you can lift up just to your shoulder height. Sure. And then do some massage, right? Maybe like in a week you can get like 10 degrees more. That's okay. We don't ever like push, grind, get you there right away. So it is, it is a process. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, the goal is to soften that cord. I had cording and I didn't know what it was. I just thought everything was tight yeah. and I had totally. my little T-Rex arms going for a long time. So when I finally mm-hmm. started to like, I don't know if you can even tell, but like when I finally could like start kind of doing this, there was mm-hmm. like, it basically went from my wrist, I think I remember into like, yeah, pretty much all the way into my armpit and I couldn't really stretch all that much. So I wasn't doing it. And I, I mentioned it offhandedly to my therapist. All right, everybody, we are back. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty. Bear with us. This is not our primary job or figuring it out. Anyway, (laughs) so we were just talking about cording and I want to be able to touch on, um, before we're done for today, I want to be able to touch on, uh, lymphedema. That's where I get the feeling your passion Mm -hmm. is. And I want you to, um, explain to people what is lymphedema? You know, what, what do you do about it? How does, how does it affect your life? Mm -hmm. Um, and how does occupational therapy help with? Perfect. Yes. So when you talk about lymphedema, lymphedema is the condition where you have swelling of your tissue. And you'll notice that as your, you know, arm or wherever it's affecting you gets larger and it's a chronic swelling. So when you talk about lymphedema, like I said, it's the condition it's to do with the lymphatic system. So the lymphatic is, is the system in your body that cleans your fluid. Um, so what's good to know, we all kind of know when we get sick, our lymph nodes get a little swollen in our neck. Um, and a lot of times we just think, oh, we have a couple lymph nodes in our neck. We actually have 400 to 800 lymph nodes in our body that are working in our lymphatic system, right? And so their job, yeah, is to filter our fluid. Um, so it's our interstitial fluid. So it's not your blood system. Um, that's part of like your cardiovascular system, um, your lymphatic fluid. So it cleans about three liters a day. And then gets it back, you know, into circulation. Um, and so when we talk the lymphatic system, you have them in your head and neck region, you have them um, bundled in your um, axilla or your armpit region, and then in your groin area. What's important to know, I would say, is that they are separated into what's called into like, I kind of say like into neighborhoods. So these collectors all go to this, you know, these lymph nodes, these collectors go to this side. Your head and neck stays, you know, in that quadrant and then both your legs. And so what happens with lymphedema is that either you are, you, it's somehow your, your, the lymphatic system has been damaged. So it's not working as efficiently. And so either you're born with that where it's called a primary lymphedema. So you'll see babies that have swelling. That's a primary lymphedema. Their lymph, their lymph nodes are not working properly or a secondary lymphedema. And that's usually what comes in with breast cancer. So if you say you had breast cancer on your right side, the damage 
to the lymphatic system would be removing some lymph nodes, right? Makes it less efficient to process your fluid or radiation can also damage the lymph nodes and the lymphatic system makes it less efficient. You still have a working system. It's just not as efficient. If you had, if you're, so some people say, oh, it's like totally damaged. Um, it's still working. It's just less efficient. And so that's where you'll notice a slow swelling. Um, I kind of say it like, it's as if you had a bathtub and your drain went from, you know, five inches wide to like three inches, right? We still have a drain that's draining fluid, but what's going to happen to the water that keeps coming in the bathtub? It's going to build up because you have a smaller drain now. And so that's where you go and work with the lymphedema therapist, work on getting that swelling out. Mm -hmm. um, you want to catch it early, you know, if you can. Again, working with a lymphedema therapist, and I can kind of go into that ways. There's machines that we do that we test fluid um, so that we can catch it early. Um, yeah, I think of it as sometimes, that, I think, yeah, there's so much I could go into. I don't know how much time. Sorry, I was going to ask, is that when you see people wearing like, Compression sleeves. Does that yes. does that help? And if you notice, if they only have um, cancer on the one side, you'll only see it on that one side. And that's why I was saying the watersheds. You will only get swelling on the area, the the quadrant, that neighborhood that was damaged. So if you have right breast cancer, you are not going to get swelling in your left arm. It it doesn't work like that. It stays in its quadrant. So whichever area was damaged that's where you would notice the, the symptoms and the swelling or the achiness. It usually starts with like an achy arm or, you know, uncomfortable. And then, cause it's a very slow process. The sleeve that you see is a compression garment. And that's one of our tools in our toolbox that we use to address swelling. It's not the only one. Um, some people get nervous. They're like, I don't want to wear that the rest of my life. Um, it doesn't have to be. So we kind of work with you, um, but it's one of the tools in our toolbox is you wear a compression. You're increasing atmospheric pressure when you're wearing a sleeve to not allow that swelling to accumulate so much into the arm or wherever you're wearing the compression. What are some of the other um, tools, I guess, in the toolbox? For that? Yeah, so one of the tools is massage. So lymphatic massage. Um, what you're doing so the lymph fluid how it moves is when you move so it you know you have a heart that pumps blood right there's no pump per se in the lymphatic system it's you moving so your muscles moving and you walking that's moving your fluid so um so another tool would be one exercise the lymphatic massage what it does is you're manually pushing fluid out of the area that you don't want it to be. And so that's where manual lymphatic drainage comes in. Um, you'll hear it as MLD. And so there's different channels within your body that you can push that fluid. Um, your therapist can complete that on you and then also teach you how to do uh, general manual lymphatic drainage. The other thing is keeping your skin, skin intact. So um, when you have um, a system, right? Your lymphatic system cleans your fluid if you now have a system that's not efficiently working as well, you want to make sure that you're not getting any extra bacteria in that quadrant because that puts extra stress on the lymphatic system to work harder to try and clean that fluid, correct? So yeah. what you do is that's where also like moisturizing comes in. You want to moisturize um, that quadrant that got affected during breast cancer. And why you do that is open skin Right when you have cracked, dry skin, that's open areas for bacteria to get in. Bacteria gets in here, you're at risk for what's called cellulitis, or a, you know an infection, um, a serious infection. And so, if you do develop lymphedema, um, you are at a higher risk of getting cellulitis because your washing machines or your lymph nodes are up here. You have bacteria down here; it's not efficiently cleaning it. Well, now you're at higher risk of getting like a cellulitis infection. So skincare is important. Dang it. So does that mostly come from mastectomies by like kind of severing those or does it come also from like radiation and chemo? Um, yes to all three, I guess. Um, so okay. we don't, so, and we don't know why some people get it and others don't. 
Um, you know, you can have two people very similar and one person will develop it and another person won't. Um, but anytime you do surgery, you are cutting those lymph collectors, those little collectors that are in your lymphatics. They can regenerate. So, you know, it's not like everyone that gets surgery doesn't get lymphedema, correct? Um, so right. it does, but that, that's one area where you can put extra stress on the lymphatic system during, after surgery. It's really if when a lot of people get, um, if it's gone to your lymphatic system and you have to get multiple lymph nodes removed, then you're at a higher risk of having lymphedema. Also radiation, radiation in that area, multiple rounds of radiation uh, can damage those lymph nodes and put you at risk for, for um, lymphedema. I would say I see it a lot less. Um, we tend to catch it earlier. I mean, back when I first started, 15 years ago, <laughs> that's so long, um, I would have patients that they would only come to me when they had lymphedema and their arm would be like 20% bigger than the other side. Nowadays, I don't feel like that happens as often um, that, that, a, that a doctor would wait that long to get you in to see a therapist. But signs and symptoms are heaviness, in that arm, achiness, you know, you're going to, you know, work, go to the grocery store and you're just like, kind of like shaking that arm around like, Oh man, that feels really weird. That's a sign. Hey, go get to see someone. We can do something. There's, um, not only like circumferential measurements, meaning taking a tape measure and measuring to compare right to left. Uh, but what, um, it's an LDEX score or a, what's called a Sozo machine. And so you, um, send like an electrode through both your arms and then it measures the resistance of that um, electrode going through. Um, and the higher the resistance, the more swelling you have. So it gives you a number on your resistance. If you have a higher number, then you're at risk for lymphedema. We get you in a garment and try and prevent it from even happening in the first place. I can't wait for us to do a whole episode. <laughs> like that's no, truly. I mean, I know that like we're just kind of touching on things today. And I think, I mean, the major point that I'm, getting from all of this is like go see a therapist soon i mean when you and i were talking um just a few days ago you were saying that you would like to have people come and see you even before surgery before mm -hmm. chemo before radiation before any of this shit happens mm -hmm. come and see you because you can do some preemptive work with people to make it not as gnarly right mm -hmm. totally i'm if you... medical term just not as gnarly <laughs> If you could see a therapist prehab, we call it prehab now instead of rehab, um, go see someone before, get a whole education on this. So if these things happen, you know right away, oh, she was talking, courting, that's courting. I need to go get in there. Or, man, I'm really feeling this. Or, you know, there's so many things that we could talk about ahead of time so that you're prepared. And then we also can see you ahead of time. Oh, we've, we've actually put people on the Sozo machine and been like, you actually already have some issues with swelling before you even started breast cancer treatment. And then they say, Oh, wow. You know? And so it's something that we've already caught early. We're already treating it before, because you can imagine if they've already have some swelling issues now going into any kind of uh, treatment, it's, it's like, it's going to happen, you know? So trying to catch that early um, is wonderful. So ideally seeing someone before, um, you start any of your treatments. If not, um, trying to get in three weeks post-surgery to have a check-in and see how you're doing, get you back to moving, um, that would be ideal. Um, is like that three-week point after surgery. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Heather. <laughs> Sorry we had technical difficulties and for all of our listeners, I hope this ends up sort of coming out okay. But this was so much information. It was really, really good information. It's a lot of stuff that people don't talk about a because they don't know mm -hmm. and b because when it does happen to them you know it's it is seen i think it's kind of this auxiliary type of treatment mm -hmm. but to me it was one of the number one things that helped me get back to sort of feeling like myself like having that range of motion and mm -hmm. finding some level of acceptance with my body at the time like it was so 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 important mm -hmm. um so let's before we kind of close out, I want you to one more time, shameless plug. So where can people find you? Website, social media, email, mm -hmm. any of that, whatever you want to give out. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so my website is 
the name of my business. So it's EmpowerLymphaticTherapy.com. Um, and then my social, I'm just on Instagram right now. So empower your lymph. Uh, so lymph or lymphatic is, you know, L-Y-M-P-H-A-T-I-C. I feel like people don't always get that correct. Um, so <laughs> social media, empower your lymph. And then my email is empowerlymph at gmail. So any way to reach out would be wonderful. I'll get back to you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Heather. And I cannot wait to have you on future episodes. This is wonderful. Very, very thought provoking. I mean, a lot of this I had kind of just put out of my head and now I'm thinking about it again. And I think it's going to be very helpful for our listeners who are going through this now Mm -hmm. to have that little light bulb moment and say, oh, this might be something I need to go see somebody about. Maybe this isn't just the usual run of the mill. I just had a double mastectomy or I'm going to chemo type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it can make your life a lot better, listeners. Mm-hmm. Make your life a lot better. Um, so everybody, thank you again for listening to this week's episode of Tits Up. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Tits Up. We'll be back next week, Thursday, and every Thursday after that. Quick reminder again about how you can support the podcast and help us grow this vibrant community that we are creating. First, whether you are listening to the show or watching us on YouTube, please click the subscribe button and leave us a review. Also, send the show to a friend or a specific episode that you really enjoyed. Second, please follow us on all of our social media platforms. All links are below in the description. Or if you are an elder millennial like myself and you would like to call us and leave a voicemail, you can reach us at 720-892-6669. We want to know if you would like to be a guest on the show or if you have ideas for upcoming episodes, thoughts, comments, concerns regarding past episodes. We would love to hear from you. This podcast is for all of us and we cannot do this without you. Also, please remember, we are not medical professionals, and we are never giving medical advice. Everyone's experience with cancer is very different, and just because we did something one way does not necessarily mean that that's how you should do it. If you have any questions about your health and well-being, please contact your doctor. Everyone take care, and until next time, tits up.